0: please join me in reading the litany of invitation and confession that is printed in your order of worship. Hear the amazing news. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. God is among us, and we celebrate the good news. Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. Death does not have the last word. Violence will not win over love. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Like Judas, we confess that we have betrayed Christ. Like Peter, we confess that we have denied Christ. Like all of the disciples, we confess that too often we have abandoned the one who never abandons us. Sisters and brothers, let us bask in the good news of Easter. Through Christ we are forgiven.
1: Good to see you. And it's good for you to hear me. <laughs> Welcome to this place of worship on this beautiful Easter Sunday. The, the sanctuary in which we worship every week, and in case you don't know, we do worship here every week. Uh, uh, some of you might need to know that. We worship here every week, but on this day, on Easter Sunday, look at all the beauty of the lilies that are here, that many of you made possible to give in memory and in honor of someone you love. And so for this additional beauty and those who helped arrange this, we are grateful. If you're a guest here today, there is on the edge of your order of service uh, a welcome card uh, that you can put your name on, drop it in the plate, it'll help me connect name and face with you. And also, if any of you would like to be prayed for this week, It's an honor for us to pray as staff and as our deacons for you by name and by need. The texts today are all about the resurrection, so listen in to them. They speak of hope, especially the gospel lesson I'll be preaching from. It's the gospel of Mark. It's the briefest of all the resurrection stories. It's almost like a sermon that he would have preached on uh, April Fool's Day. And so we listen for what God might have for us to know as we listen for the sounds
0: of Easter. Welcome. Peter preaches the good news that God raised Christ from the dead, a reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. We are. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us say our prayers. God, who heard the cries of the Israelites in slavery, who parted the seas, who calmed the storm while the disciples quivered in fear, who leads us to still waters, bring us Easter this morning. God, who comes in many-splendored glory, who shines with the radiance of a thousand suns, you experienced darkness on the face of the earth. You took the darkness of the earth and absorbed it all. Bring us Easter renewal this morning. God, who's faced it all, humiliation, abandonment, mockery, violence, even death, and yet you still brought us Easter. God, we tried to stand in your way. We threw everything we had at you. We took all our pent-up rage, our sin. We threw it all at you on Good Friday. And for a while, it seemed as if death had the final word. It seemed as if there would be no balm in Gilead. It seemed as if evil had triumphed. But early on Sunday morning, you reached down into a cemetery, a place where death reigned and you raised Jesus from the dead. So there's nothing that can hold you back now, O God. There's nothing that will keep us from Easter. It's too late for the cynicism of despair because you have shown up just as you promised, bringing us Easter, holding resurrection power in your hands. May our response be one of pure joy May our response be a desire to do justice and may we join with all creation in saying hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And let us say the prayer that your son Jesus taught us to pray, saying boldly, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
2: passing along the story of Christ's resurrection, a reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you, which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve, Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the Church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that, it was, that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. Here ends the second lesson.
3: Girls and boys, you can join us up front. I'm going to sit down here. And then take a seat. So many friends today. (coughs) All right. Take a seat. I am so glad to see all of you. I might as well turn around. How are y'all doing today? Yeah? Well, it is so good to see you. So tell me, I want you to look at these pretty white flowers. Do you see them? They're behind you. Let's not touch them, but they're called lilies. And why do you think they're here today? What's today? It's Easter. Easter. And what is so important about Easter? Because Jesus came back to life today. Yes, that's exactly right. Jesus died on a cross and then rose three days later. And that's why we celebrate today. How many of you have a best friend? Probably all of us. We all have someone that's really close to us. There's a woman in the Bible named Mary. And Mary and Jesus were really, really close. So when Jesus died, she was so, so sad. Do you think you would feel sad if your best friend wasn't around anymore? Yeah, probably. But then, what happened? What happened on Easter? He came back to life. That's right. And Mary went to the tomb where Jesus was buried and he wasn't there and she was, she was worried. She was afraid. And then Jesus came to her. And can you imagine how Mary must have felt when she saw Jesus? Really excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Do you think you would feel joyful, full of joy and happiness when you saw your best friend again? Yes! That's probably how Mary felt, and that's why we celebrate Easter every single year. All the joy and the excitement and the hope that Easter brings, we celebrate that every single year, okay? Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you so much for Easter and the joy that it brings each year. Help us to continue having that excitement and love for Jesus. every single day of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Earliest Gospel account of the empty tomb, a reading from the Gospel according to Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices, so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid.
1: Well, you know, when you work for Baptists, you have to do a little of everything. Ring bells, move furniture, right, David? Good to see you here today. Well, I figure that the goal of the Easter sermon is to not get in the way of Easter. I'm not looking for an amen on that. But if I heard any, I was going to take their names. It was Reinhold Niebuhr. Great progressive theologian of the previous century who taught at Union Seminary was a professor of Clay Manley here today. Reinhold Niebuhr said that always on Easter and Christmas he would only go to high churches. High church. Because he said, I knew that they would have plenty of music and very little preaching. He warned, no preacher, said Niebuhr, is up to the task of preaching Easter. I think the Gospel writer Mark must have agreed with that. His is the briefest account of all the four Gospels. It's the most economical and it's the most awkward, the one with jagged edges. It's like Mark comes to church on Easter Sunday with his Easter dress, all wrinkled and ragged. As he writes up the story, you've got women who are fretting the body that is missing, a guy dressed in a white robe sitting in the tomb saying to the women when they arrived, well, if you've come looking for Jesus, you've looked in the wrong place. And then he says, go tell the disciples. They leave and not tell anybody. They leave terrified, shocked, and afraid. Well, I guess that's Mark's Easter sermon. Happy Easter. Maybe it was uh, April Fool's Day when Mark preached it in 66 CE, give or take a year. I figure that all of the Gospels are, are like sermons anyway. They either were preached to the churches of Matthew, of Mark, of Luke, of John, or they were words that rose out of the churches like sermons. And so if this is the sermon that Mark preached to his congregation on Easter I would say that he knew that his church was living out an awkward Easter. So do we, right? I mean, on the way to church, I bet that there was a couple among us who had a fight on the way to church. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but we know who you are. It would have been a fight. I have been in that lot myself. Or when you've gotten the kids ready, With their new Easter clothes, I don't know how it happens for you guys, but when I had little kids, it was always the Easter Sunday that they had the messiest diapers. (laughs) And uh, all of the Easter new clothes were involved in the mess, including the ones I was wearing. Of all this hope and joy that we come and sing about on Easter, there may be some of you who come with a with a growling in your gut about a fear, or about a grief. We've all gone through a lot of funerals this year on the way to Easter. So two things about this Mark's Easter, uh, an awkward Easter. The first is Easter is awkward because of the invitation, the specific invitation. you know, in premarital counseling, which I do with couples on their way to the marriage altar, you know, I talk with them about the big things, you know, that you know about. Uh, religion, um, money, um, that other thing. Uh, and uh, some, th- some things that are large that you all know about. But you know what the biggest anxiety spot is in premarital counseling? Who's going to be invited to the wedding? Right? I mean, they go, well, you know, my mother wanted these people listed on the invitation list, but we were planning on just these people. It's quite a deal on who gets invited, how many seats at the table. It's kind of like the couple said, we wanted to invite the Waltons, but instead we end up with the Adams family. If you'll excuse a reference from the 60s and 70s television. It happens in this text, too. Did you hear how that, let's call him the angel, the guy with the white robe in in the tomb. He says, now go tell the disciples. And then he calls another name. Did you catch that? Go tell the disciples and Peter to go meet me in Galilee. Now, why in the world would the angel need to specify Simon Simon Peter? He was the only one that got mentioned by name and only in Mark's gospel. Why would the angel need to amend and even make redundant the invitation list to Easter? Well, as we talked about it on Wednesday at the Bible study, some felt Peter may have been singled out because of prestige. After all, in some traditions, Peter is the first pope. I think it's something else. I think it's not because of Simon Peter's great faith. I think he was singled out because of his great feeling of failure. Right? It was Simon Peter that just a few days before was in the high priest's courtyard and once, twice, three times denies even knowing Jesus. I'm not his, I'm not one of his, and then he cusses and says, I told you I'm not one of his. Generically, if he would have just been, tell the disciples to come and go, come and follow, I'm afraid that Simon Peter would be left at the bar standing there. All the other disciples leave. leave. They're on their way to go meet Jesus. Aren't you coming with us? Aren't you coming with us, Simon Peter? And he goes, no. I have been uh, disqualified. I didn't make the cut. Um, I lost in the first bracket. (laughs) But because of the angel's invitation, Simon Peter comes along. Maybe that's what makes for an awkward Easter because of making sure that you and I get invited. It's usually this time every few years that I have to quote old Carlisle Marnie who used to pastor at Myers Park Baptist in Charlotte, Marnie, whose voice was deeper than God's, used to say, It is the sin of Judas. What is the greatest sin of Judas? The greatest sin of Judas was not the betrayal of our Lord, for who has not betrayed Him? Rather, The greatest sin of Judas was not waiting around long enough to see what God can do with betrayers. For, says Marnie, if Judas had still remained, the angel would have said, Go tell the disciples, and Simon Peter, and Judas, I will meet them in Galilee. Indeed, if the angel called Peter's name, he would have called Judas, and he would have called your name and my name. It's like Desmond Tutu said what a relief it is to discover that we don't need to prove ourselves to God. The only thing needed to get an invitation to Easter is to fail. If you fail, you qualify. According to the Apostle Paul, the greatest proof of the resurrection is not at the empty tomb. It's a full life filled with God. That's one thing. Leads to an, uh, an awkward Easter is that the invitation list includes us. Here's the second thing. makes for an awkward Easter not only because of the invitation, but because of the location. The location. Did you hear that when the angel speaks to the women, he says, He is not here. Not here. He has been raised. In other words, the angel says, You're digging in the wrong place. You're looking in the wrong place. Jesus has outgrown his tomb. Go tell the disciples and Peter, He will meet you in Galilee. Now, in case you don't have a map of the Holy Land handy, I mean, some of us used to have Bibles that had maps in the back. You know, like one person said, I believe the whole Bible, all the way from Genesis to maps. <laughs> in case you don't have one handy, Galilee is 60 to 80 miles north of there, two, three, four days away. The angel is saying, do not look in the graveside of past glories for Jesus Not in tombs and not in temples, but on the terrain of everyday life. The gospel writer John would say that Easter is really not over yet. Easter is still unfolding and still happening. I hear this angel saying, if you want to go looking for Easter, don't look here. Don't look at the empty tomb. Look for Easter among the familiar." That was the familiar, right? Most of them them were from Galilee. Go back to the familiar, to the commonplace. That's where you'll find Easter. Easter is where hurt is. Easter is where doubt is, where questioning is, where fear is. Every three years when this text comes up, I always reference this uh, ending of Mark's gospel as a very odd sequence of words. That it describes the women's leaving and it says, To no one anything they spoke, afraid they were for. That makes sense? I always say that it sounds like the gospel according to Yoda. To no one anything they spoke, afraid they were for. How awkward is that? Then again, Easter is not a sitcom where all of life's problems get solved in 30 minutes. It's not where Ricky and Lucy kiss and make up within a half hour. Matter of fact, the most Easter thing that I've heard lately is in the commonplace voices of the students from Parkland, Florida. Those high school students, it sounds like the voice of Easter to me to turn death into life. At last week's March for Lives here in Atlanta, there were nine or ten Northside Drive members down there. Good for you. Good for us. This is the location of of, of Easter, per the gospel. The proof of the resurrection is not in the tomb and not in the carbon dating of the Shroud of Turin. The proof of Easter, the evidence of the resurrection, is in a most unlikely place in your life and mine. In their day, it was in the awkward foot in mouth life of Simon Peter. In our day, it's in the everyday life of Susan and Don and Kay and Daniel and you and me. You wanna go find Easter? Go look in a hardware store in Smyrna. You wanna look for Easter? Look at an elementary school classroom on the rim of the perimeter. Look for Easter at a Habitat build off of Bolton Road. Look for Easter at a government office near the capital or a hospital hallway in Kennesaw. Look for Easter where to-do lists are all backed up, where communication breaks down, where relationships break apart. And where test results come back and test us to the core. Where do we look for Easter? Look near birthing beds. Look near death beds. These are the home turf of Easter. Is that awkward? You bet it is. But it is as holy as the empty tomb of long ago. As you come to those places this week, you and I will flop and fail and stumble and sin. We all will. But there is the good news for all of us who live life awkwardly. Just remembering what Mark said, those two things. Remembering the invitation list. You're still on it for Easter. Remembering the location, wherever you are there is where Easter is. Easter is as near as your neighbor. Easter is as near as your need. Easter is as near as your next breath. Amen.
0: It is our tradition that whenever a word is offered, an invitation to discipleship is given. And as you just heard, the only requirement is that you've experienced failure before and that you're ready to respond. We've gone the distance for Lent and Easter has arrived. We'll sing a hymn, 247, the day of resurrection, from death to life eternal, from sin's dominion free, Our Christ has brought us over with hymns of victory, and as we sing, we stand. celebrations and concerns, and I have a very few for you this morning to tell you about. First, as you've noticed, there are so many beautiful Easter lilies that are decorating our sanctuary. Thank you so much to those who donated those they are listed in your Order of Worship Bulletin. For those who did that and would like, you may pick up your Easter lily after the service. Directly after the service, um, we're having an Easter egg hunt that should begin approximately at 12.15. If you have a child that's in extended care, uh, go ahead and collect your child and meet us outside the sanctuary front doors on the steps. Be looking for Anna Kate. And if you don't have a basket for your child, we have a few that are in the narthex, this area right as you leave the sanctuary, that you're welcome to take with you. As you know, our prayers continue to be with many who are struggling with grief and difficult times. Even on a day of joy like this Easter, grief still strikes. Our prayers are with them, and our prayers are with you as you celebrate with family and those you care about together today. We're about to hear some wonderful music. I don't want to stand in the way of that, so I'm about to sit down. We'll hear from Handel's Messiah. First, worthy is the Lamb. And then you can follow along for the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel that's also included in your order of worship. Let us continue our worship by the giving of our tithes and offerings.
1: All-loving God, we give thanks that we, too, are included in the great dance of Easter, even we who stumble onto the dance floor with a two-step of grace and love. For including us in the story that we are a part of your good news gives us great joy. Bless and help and heal and hold us always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And as we prepare to go on this Easter Sunday, remember this. May the strength of the risen Christ uplift you. May the comfort of the Holy Spirit enclose you. And may the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage. Courage to sing hallelujah as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.